0: From Traverse City, Michigan, this is Real Fairies Radio. In our experience, fairies are real, and we're here to talk about them. I'm Natalie Lynn, and this is my sister,
1: and I'm Susan Hajar. And yes, they certainly are real.
0: So, we said it. Fairies are real. To some of you, this is old news, especially those who are familiar with our website realfairies.net. To others, this may be a bit out there, but we're hoping you'll keep an open mind as we take you on this journey. Welcome to our sixth podcast. Things are going great here in Traverse City, Michigan. Susan is back working with me to finish the book and record our podcasts, and Grandmother De Dryad is finally waking from her winter slumber. In this podcast, Mr. E is going to start off by giving us his fourth and final segment on communicating with the elves. He hopes to hear that more humans are able to communicate with his people after completing this series. Following that, we're going to talk about and with one of the most well-known and powerful residents of Mr. E's realm, the Myrrh, or Myrrh as they also like to be called. Lastly, as always, we'll end with our Ask Mr. E. segment, and Mr. E. will answer as many questions as time will allow. If you have just happened upon this podcast and don't know who Mr. E. is, or who we are, for that matter, I urge you to listen to our first podcast entitled How It All Began. There, we explain our connection to Mr. E. and the fairy realm and why he is here talking with us. That podcast and much more information can be found on our website, realfairies.net. All right, we're ready to begin. Here's Mr. E with the fourth and final segment of his series on communicating with the elves.
1: What you have to do after you've gotten one through three
0: taken care of. You're referring to the first three parts of this series. Exactly. That could take a while.
1: It could take quite a bit of time. But if those things are in check, then you have to listen You have to become quiet with yourself. Maybe go to an area where there's nature around you so that you run across one of our kind. You won't find us in the middle of a city. I'm sorry, that won't happen. So you have to find us closer to the earth. But what you do, once you get to this area where there might be some elves nearby or some sort of creature from that side, you get quiet with yourself and you start listening in your head, listening to what is coming to your head. You know, I would highly suggest, before you do any of this, because this is interdimensional contact, that you would draw a circle around yourself with uh, salt to protect yourself and to sweep away any negative energy before this happens. Make sure that you're protected in case there's something out there that isn't pleasant and that you don't want to hear. So then once you're inside your protective area, you listen to inside your head. You ask a question. Hello, are you out there? See if there's a response. If something in your head goes, Hi, I'm here. Then chances are you're talking to one of us. And that's how it's done.
0: That sounds really easy.
1: It can be. It depends on the people and their level of ability. You know, it takes time to to learn the difference between your thoughts and outer thoughts that are coming into your head through another source. And I think Susan should be talking about this part more than me. Because she understands...
0: I have some experience with that, too. Perhaps I can help.
1: Well, yes, you too.
0: For example, with Grandmother, the dryad, I'd go outside and sit and talk to her. Maybe just say hi or whatever. Then one day I had a problem that I was thinking deeply about, and suddenly the answer came in and it wasn't something that I had been thinking about. Right. But then I realized that she'd probably been talking to me all along or trying to. Yes, for sure. And I think in some cases, or maybe in most cases, you have to build a connection over time.
1: Right. You have to work on it. And you have to put in the time. It's not going to be an instant drop. Not usually. You know, it's not going to be
0: like it unless you're highly gifted, which you may or may not be. The lesson for me there was that I hadn't had an expectation that she was going to answer me. But maybe you should.
1: That They may, in fact, answer you. Listen to what might come through your head. It's all inside your head, not out here audibly.
0: Right. And sometimes it sounds similar to your inner voice, but it has a different quality to it. And the information. It's
1: information you haven't thought of or information that you don't even know. Re-examine everything that comes into your head.
0: After a while, you can fairly easily distinguish between your voice and the voice of others that are coming in.
1: And then you can communicate. Yes, you can. So hopefully we've finalized that up. Yes. The best thing to do is the end is you have to listen. Listen, 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 listen.
0: I would also say that you need to have the belief that it is possible to hear people from your world.
1: Yes, there's something there, and you're not hallucinating. It's really real. You know, and and that's just what I'm trying to put into people's heads here, you know, that Mm -hmm. this does happen. You can communicate to us. You can work with us. We are willing to work with you. And we're more than happy to, especially if it's going to
0: benefit the Earth. For the greatest chance of success, it would probably be best to take the time to go through the three previous steps before they go somewhere in nature and try to listen for a voice talking to them.
1: The only way you can communicate with us is by following 1 through 4. And if you do not follow 1 through 4, you might as well hang it up. You know, you can't skip it all. It's very important.
0: Last week, we interviewed a mer named Aylwin, who came to us from quite a distance. Normally, we don't have contact with someone so far away. But in this case, the power of the murr was such that the distance was not even a factor. There was another unusual aspect of this interview. Normally, Mr. E and occasionally Susan will find the person or being for us to interview. This time, however, I was the one that was directly contacted by the myrrh. Here's a short conversation I had with Susan about this unique interview. Let's start out by talking about why you were not excited about channeling a Murr.
1: I already have hesitation when it comes to myrrh, because I don't really feel that they are 100% pro-human.
0: They definitely aren't. I,
1: exactly. Letting something in that may want to harm me,
0: this is questionable. I think that was pretty...
1: You know, so I just kind of like, I don't know about that. It was the one I was least looking forward to doing. <laughs> I knew I had to, but I was like, oh, man.
0: Well, you didn't really have to. If you had found that it wasn't okay, you you wouldn't have had to.
1: Right. But, you know, you want to do it so that people understand.
0: They have something important to say. Oh, they do. Whether they're angry at humanity or not, they had something important to say.
1: Mm -hmm. I think she had a lot of important things to say. And she seemed to be very diplomatic, very on the level.
0: Yes. She did not seem hateful or angry. She seemed to be more understanding than I thought she was going to be.
1: Yeah, she contacted you first.
0: Right, and this one in particular was very level-headed, and, and that's why I suggest that we contact her, because I've been contacted by Murr over the years. Mm-hmm. And like
1: they just wouldn't quit.
0: Right, and she's the most honest one that I have ever heard from. The other ones are trying to put forth their agenda.
1: Right, agenda. Almost like a politician.
0: Exactly, and they're not always honest. No. But she right. felt very mm-hmm. honest. Very um, centered person, mm-hmm. very focused on what she was saying. Mm-hmm. She was really a good person to interview, and she did not hold back, I don't think. Yeah.
1: No, I don't think they the type to hold back, really. Right. That's their personality. I mean, I think yeah. that's a characteristic of the Myrrh. They don't hold back.
0: As many of you may know, Mr. E has had extensive dealings with the myrrh both at home in Finn and in Lakeside, where he is involved in the fishing business. Here, he gives us his impression of the myrrh and the reasons why you should always treat them with honesty and respect. Could you give me your impressions or your feelings about merfolk Well, they're not to be messed with. What will happen if you mess with them?
1: Oh, you're in big trouble. <laughs> really? What kind of trouble? Ah. Uh... Depends on what you did and what level of oopsie you had. (laughs)
0: What level of oopsie?
1: Yeah, what level (laughs) of oopsie? Infraction. Yeah, what level of infraction you've done according to them? If it's like you took one fish too many, and I mean literally just one fish too many, that could be a small infraction. If you, like, wiped a total area clean of fish... I would expect some high waves heading towards the city that you're living in, and don't think about fishing or swimming
0: because yeah. that's where they'll get you. But if you're doing what they want, how is your relationship then? It's pretty fair, you know. Um, I'm guessing it's never a real warm relationship. it can be at times. Really?
1: Uh because you know there are times that we we kind of trade with each other, you know.
0: Oh, yes, I remember.
1: Uh, There are times that, you know, we can make things for them that they can't make on their own. And they like things that we can create for them. Like, for instance... Like um, weapons, or things that they can go fishing with. When
0: I talked with Aelwyn, she mentioned a mirror.
1: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They've got vanity issues as well. They love to look at themselves. They of like course. shiny things. But then again, so do most elves. But <laughs> they like the fact that it shines and that they can see themselves. That's fascinating to them. If you can make them a mirror or combs or something that they can wear around their neck or even just cord, you know, because yeah. they can do it themselves. And so when you've got your myrrh, you've got to make sure that you're friendly with them. And, you know, it, it's not an enemy you want to create. Because if, if they're enemies, our whole nation would be really in trouble. I mean, uh, big time. I mean, that would, like, wipe out half of our income. Wow. It would make traveling more arduous.
0: I would imagine.
1: It would make things much, much, much more difficult in our world if we did not have the good relationship that we do with them.
0: Now that you've heard our experiences and impressions, it's time to hear from Ailwyn herself. Here are three clips from our recent interview. Mm. Thanks for coming. Really important. Yes, we think so too. Anything you want to talk about first? I have lots of questions. Well, let's start with your questions. Okay. Great. Are you from the fresh or the salt waters? Salt water. So you're coming to us from quite a distance. Quite a distance. And somehow you're able to do that.
1: Yes, because of who I am.
0: Which means what exactly?
1: Well, there are common merfolk and then there there are uncommon merfolk. Okay. And the uncommon merfolk, like myself, kind of rule over the common merfolk.
0: How do you get to be uncommon?
1: Well, it's just. It's the training and breeding. Are you born to it? Yes. You're kind of born to it. And then you're trained early on. And you're allowed to learn things that the others are not.
0: Is this kind of like what we consider our royalty?
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: And so you have more. I guess you could call it opportunities, but you have to do it, so it's not really an opportunity.
1: You're born to it. You have responsibilities. And so I learned long-distance telepathy and Uh uh, long-distance projecting from an early age.
0: So you can project images? I can
1: project images. I can project myself.
0: Really? Someone could see you?
1: Yes, but I'd be ghost-like. If you're in that realm, in this realm, it's different.
0: You can't do that in this realm?
1: Well, this realm... i can channel through susie
0: but if she wasn't around people have seen you guys on rocks and stuff
1: yes
0: is that to draw usually
1: no it's not to hurt them
0: okay
1: it's to remind them we exist
0: in 2013 there were numerous reports of a mermaid being seen swimming in israel Mm Hmm. not too close but not too far from the shore right i don't know what the purpose of this was but maybe it was to remind as you mentioned
1: possibly yes i think we're trying to make a point you know we always try to make our points what that's point? a, that's in our nature
0: what type of points are you trying to make
1: you know it is to do with taking care of the earth and especially our ocean our ocean is very important to us that is our home of course and not only not our home but home to many 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 different types of creatures things that you might not even know exist different breeds of fishes and dolphins It's very important that it's kept clean and natural like it's supposed to be. And when you pollute it with your plastics and your oil and your other refuse, it causes great harm. And we are very concerned about that. And sometimes we get very, very, very angry.
0: And the problem is the pollution doesn't stay on our side. It slips into your realm because the element of water creates a doorway between the two worlds.
1: Yes. (sighs) Water is a precious commodity, be it salt or fresh. You've got to protect your waters, or we all will die. We all need it. You will die, too.
0: What do you do all day?
1: Pretty much fish, eat, swim, frolic, and we are in contact
0: with the water. Interesting. You said frolic. That's exactly how the Gerings described what they do. Well, we're cousins. Yes, that's right. What did you mean when you said being in contact with the water?
1: Well, you know, the power of water.
0: It's an element. It
1: has a consciousness of its own, and yet if you're myrrh, you can communicate with it because it runs through you. And you can manipulate it right. and use it to your
0: will. I see. Can you give us an example of what communicating with water would be like? Well,
1: you breathe it in and you find out mm, what's going on in this area.
0: Okay, I see.
1: You can sense things, you can feel things, because you are with the water.
0: And the water is telling you. And the
1: water is with you.
0: Yeah, I see. So anything that's happened over there, there's a resonance
2: from
1: Right, it. the same way you plant your feet in the ground. and You know, the same thing, earth, air, fire, water. We're not like fish, which is something that people don't understand. They paint us like fish, with scales, mm-hmm. but in truth... We are more like dolphins.
0: Are you companions with dolphins?
1: Yes, they're very close to us. They understand us more than than anything else will.
0: What do your people look like? People have seen you say you look very much like humans from the waist up. But I don't know if that's true.
1: We're not so human-like, though. Our hands are webbed because it helps us move through the water easier. Our nails are more like claws, a little bit of a claw to the end of it. Okay. Uh, you know, we, so we can defend ourselves and to dig through things that we need to dig through.
0: Our teeth are sharp. Pointed?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Some of them are. To bite through fish.
0: Mr. E has mentioned that you have thinner lips than humans. Yes. And your nose?
1: Our eyes. nose is different. It's a little bit flatter, and it's got flaps that... Uh,
0: to close it against the water? Exactly,
1: because we have a dual breathing system. It's a different structure. What is? Oh, uh, we are from humans. Oh,
0: yes. You told me earlier that you live to be over a hundred years old, and yet there are legends and sightings that suggest you don't age. Is there some glamour going on? Because you also appear to look more like humans to them than you have described here.
1: Possibly, yeah.
0: Do you have the power to influence what humans see?
1: Some of us do. For yes, example. for instance, if I wanted to make a point, I would present myself to something that they would find familiar.
0: And attractive, because that's the point, right? Right. Right. Okay, so that does happen.
1: That does happen. However, there are other rumors about us going on land and gaining feet and all of that. Yes. That does not happen. That's just the human
0: wishing that they were a myrrh. Or perhaps being in touch with something magical and powerful.
1: Exactly, yeah. Which is,
0: humans really love that.
1: Yeah, they do. And, you know... Because they
0: feel powerless, generally. But they (sighs) aren't. But That's the ironic
1: part. That's the irony, the sad irony of it all. Now, if they could just get a hold of their power the right way, we'd all be all satisfied and everything would be fine.
0: It's time for our final segment, Ask Mr. E. We have a fairly large backlog of questions waiting for answers, so please understand if your question wasn't answered here today. We promise to get to all of your questions as soon as we possibly can. We're going to answer the written questions first, followed by your recorded questions. Our first written question is from Moonbeam. I heard brownies could turn into a bogart if you make them mad. What exactly do bogarts do? Is it bad, really bad, or really, really bad? (laughs) That's kind of funny. Bogarts. (laughs) Do you remember, what is the name of that book? Ah, The Spider with Yes, exactly. Yes. Is it true that brownies can turn into something that isn't themselves if they get angry?
1: Not the brownies that I know. There may be a different breed of brownies somewhere in the United States where that book was written that does that.
0: And you're saying that because some of the things that we've seen in that book...
1: Do line up, but the brownies I have are from Finn. Okay, so all you can say is... All I can refer to is Finnians. Mm -hmm. My Finian brownies do not morph into something other than what they already are.
0: Okay, fair enough. The next question is from Ainua, and forgive me if I mispronounced your name, but I think her question is related to something that you said in your communication series about not being rude and sharing food. Right. Okay, so this is why this question happened, okay? Okay, okay. So here's her question. So I'd like to know more about sharing food. Is this something you should do with anything you might be eating, meals or snack, home or out? I could ask if they wanted some, but I can't hear them. I don't really know how to communicate, so how would I go about doing this?
1: If you've got a relationship with one of our kind and you hear them and you know that they're around... And you know that you're eating something, then offer something to them. But if you don't know if they're there or not, then don't bother giving it food because it's just going to go to waste because you don't know if
0: it's there or not. You know what I'm saying? And that won't offend anybody if they. That it won't happen-
1: offend. It won't offend anybody if, especially if they realize you don't know that they're there. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yes, I you do. Know?
1: But if you do know that they're there, that's different.
0: Okay, now we're moving on to your recorded questions, and the first one is from Wren. Hi, Mr. E. My name is Wren. I have a
1: new little baby named Elaney, and I talked to her all about fairies and pixies while she was in my belly. And I think it must have done some good, because I think that she can see you, even though I can't. She'll look around often in rooms and start laughing at things that I can't see. You love the idea that she may be able to feel connected to you and want to be able to encourage her to continue to do so even as she gets older. Do you have any suggestions? Also, are there any things I can do to encourage more little people in her room? She's having a difficult time sleeping and I'm sure that some tiny company would help her feel more at ease. Any thoughts you have would be so
0: appreciated and thank you. So the first part of the question was, Oh,
1: she could keep her connected to the fairies. Well, you know, as she grows up, I think the most important thing is to teach her about the earth as well, because that's how you connect to the fairies. When she gets old enough, go out and make her a little fairy garden, mm-hmm. where you plant special fairy flowers that we are really fond of. You mean the fae in general? The large fae or the small fae. How can she keep her connected? Tell her they exist. And when she grows up a little bit, what did you see? What did it look like? I know there are things out there that you can't see sometimes, but they just pop in some every once in a while. What did you see pop in? Tell her and explain to her that this is something that is not to be afraid of. This is something that does happen, and not everyone can see it, and not everyone will understand.
0: And when she said she would like her to have some little people for company, which is a really cute idea, I think she already has that. I think she probably does who? All she probably needs to do at this point, don't you think, is ask the fae that are there, which are probably pixies or brownies, to keep her baby company when she feels it's needed. And she probably should ask out loud to make sure they hear her. I agree with that. So, did we answer her question, do you think? I think so.
1: I'd say, Ren, that you got to let her understand that those things really do exist. Let her know in her lifetime to be aware of these things.
2: Yes, my name is
0: Joseph Getz. And I was just wondering if you can contact fairies through a Ouija board. I believe that I have a little fairy friend, or actually I think he's like a gnome or an elf. His name is Gareth, I think, because that's the name I get a lot. But uh I was wanting to try to contact him through a Ouija board, but I don't know if I can, so I figured you would know.
1: time you're contacting something from another room especially with Ouija Bards in particular, because it's so, uh, open. When you're doing the contacting, the best thing to do is to do some protection way before you start playing with that. Lots of things will come and talk to you, but not necessarily anything good. Bad, bad things have happened through those Ouija parts because of people not using them correctly.
0: Well, what do you think about this particular circumstance? He thinks he knows his name.
1: Okay, well, if his name is what he thinks his name is, and actually, that sounds pretty elephant to me. Uh-huh. I will agree that that is probably an elf. From my viewpoint, I would say that that is most likely what we think it is. But is in communicating with him, it's better just to quiet yourself and listen in your head to see what they're going to say. But even still, just in case he's just being nice for now, and he's not really nice, surround yourself with some salt preferably black salt, you know, if it's possible. Make a circle around it and then get inside that circle and sweep it around and make sure that there's no bad energy in there and that you are protected in that circle. Mm -hmm. And then you can communicate all you want because then you won't get anything bad.
0: Even with a Ouija board. Even
1: with a Ouija board.
0: You could try the Ouija board if you think that's going to help you.
1: Yes, but still, when you're trying to reach out, Mm -hmm. the best thing to do is make sure that you are protected first so that nothing nasty makes a beeline for you. I will say this more than once in my life, and I, I've yeah. I, I've said it a million times, and I'll say it again. You've got to protect yourself first before you go out there to communicate. It's yeah. so important because then if you leave yourself open and vulnerable like that, there are nasty things, not necessarily from my side, but all different villains that can really mess with you big time.
0: It's good advice. Really good advice. Our final question today comes from Chi.
2: Hello, Mr. E. The name that holds the most meaning to me is Onye Michi, But because people in this country can't pronounce names from my ancestral homeland, I go by Chi. Ever since I was a child, I've been protected by the Fae. My childhood was very traumatic, so for the sake of my sanity, I willingly chose to forget with the help of my Fae. I can no longer see as clearly as when I was as a child, but there is an undying belief in my heart and loads of evidence that the Seely court has been trying to make their presence known in my life, but subtly, so as not to trigger me. My mind keeps going to the fairy queen. I believe she is my mother in more ways than one and continues to protect me and subtly lets me know of her presence. I feel like I'm not fully human and I've been wondering if I'm a halfling and if I'm fairy royalty. A thought popped into my head Something about the old line. But when I think of you, I see a very jovial man. Do you drink mead? Do you like to drink? And, like, I see you as an older brother. But I just need confirmation on this. I listen to the podcast of the guy who was a dragon. So I just want to know about the halfling and the royalty part. I know the Sealy court has always been with me.
0: What do you have to say to that? <laughs> For those that don't know, and there's quite a few that probably don't, what you just heard was the chant of the group of eight, and it means the eight united. So let's get to her questions. What do you have to say about this?
1: If you feel, how do I put this in words? If you feel that you're not exactly human, you are right. Let me just put it this way. This is what happens on our site, in Finn and in other places right, in right. my area. Okay elves who are in a higher echelon, not necessarily king and queen or prince and princess, but ones that are higher up that are like cousins of the kings and whatnot.
0: In other words, they don't have to worry about making a living.
1: Yes. Those are the types of elves that at times want to go and experience the human realm because they're interested in this cause that we're all doing right here.
0: They want to contribute.
1: Right, exactly. And sometimes they'll be born inside of a human body. And then That human always feels a little bit different and you'll find those humans are artistic or they're very um, creative Creative. and and they have either an interesting way of looking at things or they're extremely humorous or something about them is just a little different. They think outside the box more than the other people do. You know what I'm saying? Those kind of Mm -hmm. people.
0: So you're saying that those who don't feel like they're completely human may have a good reason for feeling that way.
1: Right then chances are they may be an elfin soul inside of a human body. And they'll live out that life as a human.
0: Well, they do want to accomplish something, so sometimes they do become more aware of who they are.
1: That does happen. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thankfully, it does happen sometimes, and this might be one of the situations here.
0: Well, it sounds like it.
1: Yes. And not necessarily court, but maybe you mean Light Elf. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Because that's what we are. We're Light Elf. We work with the light instead of the darkness and domination. You see what I'm seeing.
0: Yes, of course. So
1: it may not be the Sealy Court, which is usually located in in Ireland and Scotland, and and, and all of those people there. Mm-hmm. You know, you could be from anywhere else. You know, right. it may not necessarily be that particular court.
0: Right, and what I remember her saying was that. Although she had a dark childhood, you know a lot of these elves don't really know. Where you don't know land up, where land. you're
1: gonna land, right? You know, I mean, it's a crapshoot. It very much is. But even though she said that happened, she apparently could feel the support. Yes, you will feel support from the other side.
0: And of course, they would be there to support her if what you suspect is true.
1: There is so much to say. They are what? with you, because of who you are, you can't go
0: out and do this on your own anyway. And they're actually helping her to maybe come to the point of understanding who she is exactly and if she does that then she can actually make more of an an impact impact.
1: exactly and um welcome aboard
0: (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) oh let's not forget to answer this part do you like to drink mead oh mead of course i love mead are you kidding me i
1: have rigging contests with the centaurs all the time of course i lose but you know it's fun (laughs) to lose they drink me right underneath the table
0: and I can say for a fact that you are a jovial person. Oh, yes. <laughs> so she's right about that. Oh, yes. That's exactly what
1: I'm like. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess I'm a little bit of an older brother kind of personality. You know, I like to take care of everybody. Yes, I like to be do. everybody's
0: older brother, you know, in a way. That concludes our sixth podcast. Thank you for joining us today. And thank you for all of your wonderful questions. If we didn't answer your question today, stay tuned and we'll most likely answer it soon in a future podcast. More from Mr. E, Aylwin the Murr, and many others can be found in our upcoming book, Interviews from the Fairy Realm, due out soon. You can sign up to be notified when our book is released at www.realfairies.net slash our book. Thanks again, everyone. We look forward to seeing you next time.